Then we were kids. We had slingshots. We'd put cherry bombs or smoke bombs in oh, slingshots. That's a great idea. And uh, I remember we launched it over the house and it landed. We were kind of aiming in this way, but the woman was working like between her house and the hedges and it landed in the hedges behind her and this big smoke bomb goes off behind her. What did she do? She screamed. She ran out of there and then my friends all ran and escaped. I froze like a deer in the headlights and I got caught. You got caught. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. What happened? What was your punishment? I don't know. I think we moved. <laughs> Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit do better so together we can be a little better. Well, welcome to A Little Better. So glad to have you back for this very exciting week. Week one of a how many weeks? We had nine. I believe ten weeks, nine, I think. Nine, ten. Stay tuned for nine or ten. <laughs> Taylor will dub in the appropriate number of weeks that we will be in Colossians, our summer series in Colossians. Nate, thanks for taking us out of the gate. Super strong. Appreciate you bringing it yep. uh, on Sunday. And as always, why don't you give us your Sermon in 60? Yeah, Sermon in 60 was... Um, Essentially, I was trying to give some context for the book, help give a backdrop of where is this place, who are these people that Paul is writing this letter to, and talk about why he's writing this letter and what's the theme of it, and then uh, getting through the first 14 verses and pulling out some truths and observations there that Paul is using to help us understand the whole point, the whole theme is it's all about Jesus, and Jesus is the fullness of God, and man, we are to be filled up in him, and Paul just keeps coming that back to that point to keep our eyes on Christ and to be filled in him. Don't be filled anywhere else or with anything else. Be, be full, be full, run on full, not on empty, run on full <laughs> when it comes to following Jesus. Definitely love the title. Yeah, you talk about, I'm just... Any, this is one of the shortest letters. Is it the shortest it is, letter? It is, yeah. The shortest letter packed with so much. We're spending nine weeks on it, and we feel like that's too short. Yeah. You ever been, I was part of a church once that spent years, oh, yeah. like going through the book of Romans yep. or something. It's just like, there's always that tension. I don't know how, you know, you make this choice, right? And it's always a balance. But I don't think it's a bad thing to leave people hungry for more, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, you and I both hope that we're able to just crack, yeah. the, crack the window open enough, shed enough light to get people excited mm-hmm. to go deep Yeah, and that's on the their be- own. beauty of God's word. It is inexhaustible. Uh-huh. You could take two years and go through Romans, and there's mm-hmm. still going to be things oh. that you had to leave out. Crazy. And so, yeah, yeah our, our hope and approach is that it is informative and helpful in understanding this letter that Paul wrote and the purpose behind it and the truths that he's bringing out. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think a, a win or a celebration would be if like I heard like, oh man, I'm jumping into this now and I'm studying it and I'm pulling out these additional truths that like we hear people within our church doing that. Uh-huh. Man, would be would, would be great. But yeah, it is always a tension of like, how much do you, how much do you cover? How much do you, how quick do you move? How slow? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I honestly don't, I know I've told other people about this, but I don't know if I said it earlier on the podcast. I'm going to assume I didn't, but if I did, you know, you're hearing it again. But it, anytime we can get people to slow down. So I, it was, it was interesting. Didn't you, you did the sermon on busyness. That's right. Okay. So here, this is the actual story is like, I was heading into the pre-preach for busyness and I just, 
it was before the uh, pre-preach on busyness. And I'm like, my life is, my my Bible reading, it's rushed. You know, I've got this. I go through the Bible in a year. I actually go through the New Testament twice in a year, Psalms twice in a year. It's a, it's, it's, it's a lot. So it's easy for me to rush. Hmm. But I just took a moment and I read... I guess I would encourage everyone to do this. We just read the book of Colossians because it's not that long. Yep. Sit down, you know, get out a cup of coffee, whatever it takes to slow you down, and just read it from beginning to end. Because I remember doing that a few weeks ago, and I, I just found myself saying, like, did God really say that? It's just so amazing to think that that's true, right? right. That the creator of the universe really knows us, loves us, is, cares mm-hmm. about us, it's, it, and and promises us so much in That's Christ. Right. So anyway, incredible book. Thanks for the launch. Um, hey, how do you, so it's interesting. You're only going to do the intro. Others are going to do the rest. What are your thoughts on team teaching a series? Do you do something like this and say, man, I, I wish I got to do the whole thing? What's the pluses and minuses of working together? <laughs> sure, I... Yeah, I really enjoy actually our summer series. And usually our summer series, like last year was, we went through Summer on the Mount, wasn't it? We taught through the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And I actually prefer and enjoy like when we're all working together through, whether mm-hmm. it's a section of scripture or a whole book, just because it kind of it kind of limits your window. Like when you're doing a topical series and multiple people are doing it, it's actually almost tougher because you kind of have to become an expert on each topic and you're using multiple passages. And so then there's always this tendency or, or fear of like, oh, did I just steal yes. someone else's passage that they're planning to use three weeks from now when they cover whatever topic they have? So in many ways, being able to kind of have, have, have a passage or a book of the Bible to work through is great because then you kind of got your lane. And I know I can't go past verse 14. Um, because otherwise I'm going to be stepping on Dave Bame, who I know he's coming after me and, and doing week two. So in some ways, I, I appreciate the, yeah. the, the narrowness. Of course, but. you do have the safest spot in the lineup there because you're just going first. But yeah. it's also... Set the bar low. Yeah, everyone well, else it's pick also, up the pieces. Yeah, yeah. but it's also yeah. safe because week one, you get to give the big idea for the whole sure. book. Sure. So what the challenge then is for the rest of us who follow, and I'll do a couple of weeks of Colossians, so you might want to plan on... Um, looking for another church those weeks, I don't know. But, uh, you know, as each of us does, you know, again, not stepping on each other, repeating each other, but we do reinforce each other. But right. it, it, in it one is way, easiest for me because I can't yeah. repeat anything because <laughs> I'm kicking it off. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting because basically we're going, what's your, what's your thesis statement again about yeah. the fullness Christ of Christ? Christ is the fullness of God and we're to be filled up in him. Yeah, Christ is the fullness of God. We are to be filled up in him. So we're going to preach that message every week. That's All right. eight weeks, we'll preach that message. But it's going to be a little different, you know. Mm-hmm. I've got a message coming up where it's going to be, well, how does that impact even your family relationships, mm-hmm. marital relationships, employment relationships, community relationships, those sorts of things. So you get to it's the same message, right? But what does it look like? Yep there you know, on the practical side. Okay. Um, what did you leave on the table? I mean, yeah, it's, Man, it was a big chunk, but, uh, it was probably the things like that I can get geeked out on are, are like the, 
the center screen, man, I had thoughts and visions of like really going after like weather patterns on the center screen and like the geography <laughs> and what towns and like, you know, so uh, there was a lot I started to think about of like even Paul's from Tarsus. Tarsus is up there. Saul of Tarsus and talking about Paul's hometown. So man, I, it was, it was probably more like the center screen, like of ideas and ways I could have, you know. I'm just laughing with all the weather, man. You know, like taking a big breath of air and like blowing in a cold front <laughs> over Colossa. Yeah, <laughs> there's a low pressure but... system now that's working its way over. Yeah, no, I did, did, did enjoy that. Did you know enjoy you know the background and there's so much in there. But uh, I do have to ask the question as to why you did not wear this shirt on stage Ooh, on man, Sunday. It's true. <laughs> yes, aren't these fantastic? These are incredible. I love well, these. Apart from the sermon, people got to see these shirts already. Thanks for doing that, you know, that shoot for the 4th of July. But um, uh, seriously, um, you're prepping a message like this. Um, and again, I always, it doesn't have to be true every week, but was there a significant impact for you? Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you're just like, it's lessons already learned. Was there anything new to you? as you came to the book of Colossians. For sure. Yeah. I think the the things that like just pop into my mind right away, there's kind of two things. Number one, Paul's prayer for them of how he prays for the Colossians was really moving and challenging to mm-hmm. me of, I, I think I'm so easy and quick to pray circumstances, pray for circumstances, pray for the job or pray for healing or pray for whatever that circumstance is, but the way that Paul kind of also infused, and that's important. We, we, should, we should pray for those things and, and ask the Lord for those things, but to also just be praying, though, that the gospel grows within mm-hmm. that circumstance in that individual's life, that they're, right. that they're leaning and seeing and sensing the power of the gospel and, and understanding the depths of Christ and the depths of his gospel in deeper ways, even in the midst of whatever that, that challenge might be. I know uh, was was just moving to me and really reflective on like how how am I praying am I am I praying those gospel informed prayers or right. is it more just get the job get healed which again are good things but are, yeah. is there a greater need sometimes that I might be missing and I think Paul man he shows that in the way that he's pouring his heart out mm-hmm. for the Colossians yeah that is such a good point yeah if we are consumed with Christ filled with Christ what does our prayer life look like we don't have to guess because we can see it you know in Paul I think I'll put it in the show notes but there was a book um, I read a few years ago from Don Carson I can't remember the name of it but I'll, I'll put it in the show notes it's something like it's basically praying with, <clears throat> excuse me praying with Paul so mm. Carson takes every prayer of Paul's you know in the epistles and then how how can we have a similar agenda? How can our prayers right. be similarly yeah. shaped? But you're right. I mean, I think most people would assume that, you know, uh, you know, God wants us just to be uh, not sick and doing well financially. Um, yeah. But that's not, you know, not the priority. In fact, each of those things, you know, you think about is reversed. You know, in Paul's life, you know, he did have thorns in the flesh, you know, and and hardship and right. financially, I mean, everything. He didn't went, pray a lot for safety. I did, don't think traveling mercies. For safety, traveling <laughs> mercies. Yes, 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 yes. So great. Yeah, I love that. 
Um, we, it's interesting. So we, in pre-preach, you know, you get to do this and we get to give you a little feedback and talk about some things. Had a pretty vigorous discussion, you know, in pre-preach. And I love it. I love it because I just love the different perspectives people bring and working through. Um, but basically, how do you, how do you, how, what, what did you take away from sure. the question? The qu- a lot of it had to do with that quote was the of quote? like, yeah. um, the quote, I'm not even sure who originated that. That quote came from. It doesn't I really matter. I thought people attributed people. Google check me. I'm totally wrong. I'm sure. I thought people attributed it to Francis of Assisi. I, I did Assisi, see that. Assisi. But, so I'm not even saying the words right. Yeah, but, um, I've heard but, that. I've heard that anyway, as well. There's a little. Yeah. We're not sure, but it doesn't matter. But yeah, the quote is, you know, preach the gospel and all you do, and if necessary, use words. And so that that's the statement. And I talk about how, like, in in some ways, that's a bad idea because. The gospel needs to be heard. When you look at Paul, he he's using these language. You heard it, you understood it, it was taught to you. And so obviously, man, the the fruit of the gospel should be evident in the way that we love others and serve others and treat others and all of these things. But at some point, we need to use words to talk that Jesus came, that he died, and why he died, and he was buried and rose, rose again. And so yeah, I, I think it was just a good, healthy discussion on, yes, we need to preach it and use words, but not also to the neglect of just like, okay, that's a one and done thing. And then the gospel is just like fire insurance. No, the gospel then, and Paul even talks about how it's growing and spreading in the world and it impacts the world around us for the benefit of God's kingdom. Right. So, we wanna, don't want to dismiss the value uh, so, you know, I guess the confusion sometimes comes with is, you know, it's easy for people to say, you know, doing the good works, you know, taking care of the poor, changing the world, curing the world's ills of injustice, you know, um, calling that the gospel, which I wouldn't. I wouldn't call that the gospel. Um, but I would say that if the go- if if people in a community are transformed by the gospel, those things will happen. And in some ways, it's a proof of the validity. You know, so the the gospel literally, right, um, is evangel, you know, in uh, good news, good message. Um, So it really is about the word. So, and it's possible that you might you might be someone's visual gospel just in terms of hey your life is countercultural mm-hmm. it demonstrates kingdom values people scratch their head they can't explain you and someone else comes along and gets to share the words but right. but that person will never have an experience of the gospel without words you know yeah, the yeah, message yeah. the words of the gospel right. mm-hmm. you know has to happen and i think it's easy for us to fool ourselves oh yeah Sure, no problem. I got the gospel. I understand the gospel. But it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't change yeah. anything. And if that's the case... You got to go back to... You have to go back to... You somehow, you know, you know, you didn't get it. And uh, sometimes people talk about heat and light, you know, so it's the light, you know, of the truth. But sometimes there are experiences that bring the heat where it's like, I thought I knew the gospel when I was seven years old and prayed that prayer. Well, I believe that was genuine. That was real. But there were things that have happened that just said, I had appreciated so little Mm. of the truth of the gospel. Yeah. All right. Talking too much about that. Um, So you you had an interesting 
interesting statement about identity informing geography. Mm-hmm. And I guess, why don't you talk a little bit more about that? Because it seemed to me like you were making a point about if we get our identity right, other things happen. Is that, yeah. is that accurate? Well, it's interesting. In Paul's greeting, there are things there that are kind of easy to like just kind of run through. But he talks about his life is by the will of God. And then he also makes it a point to say, you know, to the God's holy people or the saints in Colossae. And so I, what I love about what Paul says there is he's like, you're in Christ and you are in Colossae. So your identity in Christ should impact wherever you are at. Kind of mm-hmm. similar to what we were just talking about, that mm-hmm. if the gospel is in us, that wherever we we live, it impacts that that city, that town. So I'm I'm Nate Miller, I'm in Christ, and I live in Webster. That mm-hmm. my identity should inform my geography. It's not the other way around. And sometimes we think, I think just like, oh, I live in Webster because the schools are great. Right. And I, because there's a great <laughs> job there, or it's close proximity to family or these other things. And we kind of think that those those are kind of maybe why we are somewhere, but no, it's our identity informs where we, we live. And so my relationships, my serving in the community, all of these things, the gospel impacts those things. My identity impacts those things. Yeah, it's an interesting connection between identity and geography. I love that. But I think you could connect it to so many things. Like you could say that about identity and career, right? Because sure. you might yeah. say, hey, I'm in this career because um, I'm passionate, you know, I'm passionate about this, or I'm good at this, or I can make a lot of money at this, or whatever. But if instead you said, you know, as a Christian, I am entering the medical profession, because I believe that is where I can do the most good for the kingdom of God, where I can, you know, it's, you know, who I am informs how I approach, you know, that career. It could apply to any career that you're in, you know, the priorities you set, again, the place you choose to live. I mean, Karen and I, we live in, we've lived in the city of Rochester for over 25 years in this house. And our original decision, I mean, it was, it was influenced by a lot of things, you know, hardwood floors and leaded glass. My life, my wife loves old houses. Um, But also the fact that, you know, we just wanted to be in a place where we thought we could do some good, that's you right. know, where we could be an influence. But that's, again, how identity mm-hmm. influences those other things. I love that. So your homework assignment, you know, was just, <laughs> you know, how does your identity, you know, what are the other areas in your life that your identity in mm-hmm. Christ impacts? Yeah, and it's that whole idea that, like, Paul is going to continue to expand on of, like, man, when when... Jesus is the whole thing and our lives are filled up to overflowing in him. It changes the lens. It changes the perspective when it comes to where you live, to your job, to, mm-hmm. to everything. Right. That it informs all of these other, other things, not as just, just things that, that we do, but there are opportunities, right, to live out the implications of the gospel and Christ at work in our lives. So. Yeah. And I think you can see throughout history other things that... Christians ran towards that others were running from right. because of their identity right. in Christ. Yeah. You know, when the plagues came for the early church, there were people who fled, you know, to the country to get away from the plague, but there were Christians who moved in to the places of hurt, you know, right. to bring healing and even at their at their own risk. So again, identity is mm-hmm. just going to change so much. All right. Um, last question. Um, I know you talked about your friend who said, he could use a little Jesus in his life, and that uh, sometimes it's easy to think, I guess, 
about, you know, this like we might think of another uh, workout program or diet or financial planning or is just like, hey, how can Jesus right. help me, you yep. know, um, yeah, and live, live a little better or you have yeah. a little more success or a little more peace or whatever. But there's an opposite mm-hmm. orientation. Yeah, I think it just reminded me or sparked in me, I think, many times, and not, not just simply in this this guy's life, but in, in, in culture, we have this idea of like, I'm pulling towards this goal that I have in my life, whether it's success, a good career, a great family, I want my kids to be successful. And so I'm going to pull other things in to just kind of help me fulfill happiness or whatever it is. And so like Jesus then is kind of like this commodity of like, well, if there's some good there, yeah, I'll take a little Jesus to help on whatever goal you're, you're heading in your life. But it's kind of backwards, right? It's, it's no, man, Jesus comes in and takes over everything. It's not just an add-on. He's not just a coach that we kind of run to when we need something or when things get bad. It's this, dude, come, take over. My life is yours. And now, now everything is on this, this road of, man, my eyes are on you and I'm trying to, trying to stay focused on, on you and live, live for you. So it's, yeah, we can just, I, I think it's very common in our, our quick culture to just grab whatever can like just be an add-on to help on whatever goal we're heading in life rather than, man, he's the whole thing. Yeah. Well, listen, we're going to have a few more weeks to figure out practically how to make that true in our lives. So again, thanks for the strong start. Please keep coming back. We'll keep coming at you with more on Colossians. Looking forward to seeing you again next week.